There are, <laughs> I was thinking about this yesterday, there are so many things um, as a church, uh, Faith Builders has done over the years that we really shouldn't have been able to do. Um, a lot of the, not just the start of the church, of course, that was one big thing. Um, a lot of things against us. That's a great story, and we've told it many times. But even even in, in the things that we would do um, as a ministry to reach out and touch the community, preaching the gospel, many know, many maybe don't know. We've done a lot of productions over the years uh, that have reached a lot of people, touched them uh, to give their lives to Jesus Christ or to come back to the king and get right with God, those kinds of things. And so um, I was thinking about one in particular. Actually, we were, we were talking about it with uh, the elders a couple uh, Tuesdays ago for prayer, and we were talking about uh, something we used to call J-O-N, which is an acronym for Jesus of Nazareth. It was a production that we did in, in Beloit. <clears throat> we took pieces of it and brought it here to Milwaukee, but it was birthed there, and I was the director of it in those days. I wasn't, I wasn't a senior pastor. But, um, and so I remember getting the script, and we had like six weeks to pull this thing off, it was over 250 people in the cast and crew. We had to make all of our costumes from scratch. So we had to call upon the sewers of the church, <laughs> S-E-Ws, uh, to come and sew costumes day and night, literally. Um, we were making our own props. Uh, then we had to send for other props out of New York City. And uh, had to come for our um, costumes for... Um, uh, Pilate, Herod, and then also um, all of the, the Roman soldiers, the, the centurion. We had to then uh, find uh, a place where we could find, but that, that would give up the, their horses. So we had horses in the production, like four of them. And so we had to have them be able to come and, and, um, um, and um, train them because they're the only ones that could ride the horses uh, to be in the production. It was massive. It had py pyrotechnics in it. It has lights, lights that we didn't have yet, didn't know how to work yet. Uh, we had, <laughs> we had um, audio uh, things that were going on with the microphones and things that we hadn't tested yet. We had to do this all in six weeks, and it was on my shoulders to get it done. And, uh, you know, back in those days, I just thought, well, you know, we're going to get it done. That's just there's no other way around this. And so we started putting this thing together, and it was, for me, it was day and night. For a lot of other people, it was too, but in particular for me, just day and night, day and night, the grind, grind, grind. And we got to, we got all the way to the, um, um, to the, it was called the dress rehearsal. We invited the newspaper to come out and see the dress rehearsal. And that night was an absolute disaster. Everything went wrong that could go wrong. And I didn't know what to do. My dad said, what do you think? I said, ah, we need Jesus. We need the Lord. Because tomorrow, these are all paying people. They're going to come and pay for tickets to come. And I wrote a scene in the production where Barabbas is being chased and um, that was already in the production, but there were certain pieces that I, I wanted to put in it. And uh, there was a scene at the very top. It was all done with music. He's being chased by the, by the, um, by the Roman guard throughout the city of Jerusalem. It was a two-tier two set. And so he was at the very top where Pilate's temple was. And, um, and he's, being, he's being beat up by these two Roman guards while a bunch of them are on the bottom. He's got two on top. He's fight, fighting off, so he's, going, he's working his way backwards this way. And I built a breakaway, a breakaway uh, piece of the set so they would push him over. He'd go backwards like the nesty plunge. 
hit all the soldiers, and they all go fly, fall, fall, and he'd take off running again. They'd have to chase him. Then there was a whole thing where he, it was a whole thing. It was a big deal. He swung from the ceiling. It was, it was pretty wild. He was a Pentecostal Barabbas. He was swinging from the ceiling, praise God. Anyways, for those that know that, no. Anyways, and it was quite exciting, and, but it was very dangerous. Matter of fact, I had to talk the guy into doing it because he didn't want to do it. And I basically called him um, uh, <laughs> a little of a bit of a word that I said, you know, you're being a little bit of a wuss. You know, you need to just do this thing for Jesus, you know. And so finally he did it. Looking back, I'm thinking, he was right and I was wrong. What was I thinking? Anything could have happened, could have been hurt bad or killed. I mean, but in my mind, it was go, go, go. We're going to do this. We're going to make it happen. So the rehearsal, dress rehearsal was terrible. Next day we got up. And you know how you just know that it is what it is and all your fears sort of just slip away and it's like I kind of worried all night long and did all this stuff and a lot of praying and, and I thought, well, it is what it is. Tonight's the night. It's just going to have to come together. These are not paid actors. These are all church members and they're coming from work and they're coming to, to do a performance. They did, we did them Fridays and Saturday nights. And so that was our first Friday night. And I'm going to tell you, folks, I have never seen anything in my life be so graced by the hand of God, every single thing wasn't just good. It was over the top. We did 11 sold-out performances. We had over 1,000-plus people come to Jesus Christ. It was the talk of the town, and we had a lot of people join our church as a result of that because people then knew who we were when we were in the area. It was in 1996 when all that happened. It was just something that was absolutely remarkable. And when we did some things in this church the same way, I did something called Heartbreak Hotel, Hotel Hallelujah. And I won't get into all of that, but we had a big, there's a big, big performance that we were going to be doing. But I'm being honest, most everybody did not understand what I was trying to do. I had to take them step by step because they'd never seen anything like this before. But at the end of the day, we had hundreds come to Christ and then thousands the years to come after that over something that seemed so impossible. You know, you've got to make up your mind that you will not be denied if you're going to succeed in this life. And the title of my message this morning is Undeniable. Father, we love you. We thank you. We're in your presence right now. And Lord God, I thank you for the anointing that flows upon me and upon your people. That I may preach it, that they may hear it, understand it, Lord God, and put it into practical terms in their life, Lord God, that they will be successful and be undeniable, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, you deserve all the praise and all the glory. We give it to you. And everybody said a big amen. And amen. When I was a kid <clears throat> coming up, I was always trying to come up with things to do. You know, when we were coming up in the 70s um, and even in the early 80s for me, um, you know, it was not like you had a lot of, like, things you could do. Uh, you didn't have a phone you could play with all day long. You know, we didn't have games on the TV. We didn't have but three stations, praise God. We didn't have a remote control. It wasn't that they weren't invented yet. We just didn't have one. Um, I take that back. I was my dad's remote control for most of my upcoming, how about some of you, praise God. Jeff, turn the channel, right? And there was three of them. And then we got a local channel in town. Matter of fact, small world, my wife's uh, uncle was the one who brought that station into town or bought it or something. I can't remember which. And um, 
So it became a, another station town, but it was only on for half the day. And so, you know, uh, that's what you had to do. And when we were growing up, I don't know how it was in your household, but uh, come summertime, we were not allowed to stay in the house. As soon as we had breakfast, it was like, get out of the house. Because we weren't, we, 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 they believed that if we laid around and watched TV all day, reruns, stuff like that of different you know, shows, you would just get lazy, just be lazy. So we were always told, get out of the house. Little did they know, they probably should have kept us in the house because all the trouble we got ourselves into out of the house. But, you know, we would go, and I think I mentioned this last week, we would go until the streetlights came on. And as soon as the streetlights came on, you knew to run home. And some, you wouldn't even eat all day. Who cared about eating? You're having fun with your friends and everything else and drinking water out of water hoses and stealing ladies' tomatoes out of their gardens. And anyways, praise God, it was a, it was a good old days. Praise the Lord. And, um, and so, you know, there was a lot of things that you had to come up with. And I remember some of the things that I came up with were not the most safe things in the whole wide world. I remember, you might remember this too, making bike ramps when you were a kid. And all the neighborhood kids would ride these bike ramps. And you, what you try to do is you try to hit that ramp and go as far as you could. Then they mark it, see? And then you had to out, you had to out jump the next person. Now, none of our bikes were made to jump in the air. They were not made to go up in the air and come down with a hundred and some pounds. They were not made to do that. Um, and so they'd be breaking and stuff like that. And I would never forget. And, and we would make a daredevil attempt. So we would dig holes. So after the ramp, there'd be a hole. So if you didn't make the hole, you were, if you didn't make the hole, you'd be in the hole, right? So, um, and I remember just my back tire hit that thing. And when it did, my, 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 uh, my uh, handlebars went straight down like this. And Jeff went right over the handlebars. Right into the gravel, not the grass, right into the gravel. And that was back in the days where you saw scabs on kids all the time, and nobody said it was the parents' fault, praise God. It was just kids being kids, and that's what would happen lots of times. And I remember that. I told you my parachuting story. I won't get into all the details about that. But I did find out you can't parachute off of a garage with a garbage bag. You can't do that. But we thought we could try that. But I also remember doing roller coaster rides with the bikes. And there's a cemetery that had, had a large hill. And on and that hill at the very top, uh, you guys remember, uh, I think they still have it to this day. Um, uh, they got, um, what is it called? Um, the park at Gurney. Um, uh, Six Flags. I remember we heard the demon. The demon roller coaster. Well, we pretended that was the demon. And that was at the very top, at the top of this hill. And what we do is you have your friends. One would be on the bike. Then a friend would be on the handlebars, right? And then you have another friend or two that would push you as hard as they possibly, and you're pedaling as fast as you can, and push you down that hill. And the whole objective was to get down that hill. Terrifying. And you never hardly ever made it because there were stones in the ground, headstones. And sure enough, you'd hit one of those things, and everybody go flying. And you'd hurt like crazy, you know, limp and stuff, but you get right back up like an idiot and do it all over again. How many knows that takes a lot of faith? A lot of faith in things that you, that you, that you believe would work but don't have necessarily all the uh, knowledge and experience uh, to get the job done. And so many people, uh, I believe, are doing the same thing, trying to change their lives without realizing the power of faith. Let's say it together, the power of faith. I want us to look at Romans chapter 1, verse 16, please. 1, 16, and 
It says here, Paul says to the Roman church, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. There's another empowerment, and it's this, it's the, the Bible talks about to salvation for everyone who believes, talking about faith now, who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness, say righteousness please, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, and it is written, the just shall live by faith. So who are the righteous being spoke of here? We are the righteous of God. And how are we to live? The Bible says we are to live by faith. It's another level of living than the one we currently live in and we've been exposed to and we were brought up in. And I'll explain it in just a moment. Hebrews 11.1, one, and this is out of the Amplified Version, it says this, it says, now faith, everybody say now faith. Now faith is the assurance, which is what? The confirmation, the title deed, right? So once I believe something, that's my assurance, that's my confirmation, that's my title deed, right? I don't have to show you my car for you to believe that I have a car. I just have to have pull a piece of paper out if I have it in my pocket if I want to. And that shows and proves that I own that car. I'm the owner of that car. I have that car, right? Same thing with the word of God. I don't have to show you what I believe is true. I just have to show you my title deed in the word of God. That's enough. That's called faith. I'm believing in something that currently people can't see, but I'm believing it like it already exists. Of the things we hope for, okay? Of the things that we hope. How many, how many are hoping for stuff? I mean, in other words, you've got a vision, you have a dream about your life. You have a dream about where you're going. That's hope. It hasn't happened yet. You're hoping for it. Now, when you mix faith and hope together, there's an assurance that comes to you that it will come to pass. A lot of people just hope without faith. A lot of people have faith, but they don't know how to link it to stuff. They don't have any vision, right? But this is something that we, we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of the reality Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to our senses or the natural, you know, our, our sight, our smell, our touch, our sound, our taste. So it doesn't appeal to the five, five physical senses. I can't prove it, but it does exist. There's something in me that I'm telling you exists. It's real, but I can't show you yet the proof out here in the natural. But the proof to me is that it's inside me. Now let me just say, faith doesn't mean that you sit back and do nothing. You have to work your faith. Help me somebody this morning. Can I do a little Bible teaching? We'll get preaching in just a moment. You got to work your faith. So the Bible's very clear in James. It says, faith without works is dead being alone. So you can't say, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. You may believe, but you may not receive. You don't receive because what you believe has not been worked out. 
I believe, I believe, I believe I'm going to have my own business one day. But you have nothing to show in the natural that you're doing anything that makes us, that makes, should make you understand that it's actually going to come to pass. So the, I would say this way, you want to start a business, first thing you want to do maybe is go clean out your garage because you're going to need shelves, need spaces in there to put your product in there or your basement or another place. But you you got to do that. Uh, you might have to take a night's uh, class uh, at school to learn about business. You might have to get your business cards printed up. You may not have the product yet. You may not have the clientele yet, but you are on your way because you're working what you believe. I believe I'm going to be a teacher one day. Well, you got to go to school to become a teacher, right? You can't, I believe now you're 75 years old. I still believe in that. I'm sorry. Belief is not enough. Faith shows works because faith without works is dead, useless. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 says, Simon Peter, a bondservant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a like precious faith, with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So faith works through the righteousness of God. I'm say it again. Faith works through the righteousness of God. And the word says that we are the righteousness of God. And, I'm gonna, and hang with me because some of you haven't heard this teaching before. But don't run out and listen to what it all, all entails. But what is righteousness if we're righteous? What is righteousness? The basic gestalt of it is this, that you've been made right with God. You couldn't earn it. You're not good enough. You didn't do enough great works, didn't do enough good things. But it's not about what you did. It's about what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago that makes me good. Come on, somebody. And church, we've got to come out of condemnation or we'll never believe what God has promised us in his word. We've got to come out of shame or we'll never know who we really are. We've got to come out of guilt or we'll always feel like we don't deserve his very best. We've got to come out of not belonging or we'll never truly belong. You're not righteous because of anything good you've done. You're righteous because of the amazing good that our Jesus has done. Somebody ought to shout and give the Lord some praise in this house. Come on. Hallelujah. Faith is not exclusive to a certain kind of person. Thank God. Romans 12 says every one of us has been given a measure of faith. You can't be going around here complaining because you ain't, well, I just got, I guess I ain't got no faith. That's a lie. Lie, you fry. Somebody say amen. That's not God. He said every single one of you have been given a measure of faith. Well, his measure is bigger than my measure. You don't get it. He said, the apostle said, help us, Lord, increase our faith. He said, I don't need to increase your faith. If you got the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. And if you don't doubt in your heart, but believe the things you say shall come to pass, you shall have whatsoever you say. Come on, church. I don't need a bucket full of faith. I just need a mustard side seed. Hey, faith is not exclusive. Faith is all inclusive. Everyone who believes and then puts that faith to work will see the outcome of what they're hoping. 
for. Jesus said, let it be unto you according to your. Amen, y'all. Not even according to your education. But you see, when I understand that according to my faith means more than just believing, it also means corresponding actions to what I believe, right? So when I believe, when I believe something so much, I can't help but act it out. When I believe in something, so when I met my wife for the first time, I told everybody about her. I, 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 want, I talked about it first of all, I was in love with her. But second of all, I believed in her and our relationship. So you couldn't get me to shut up about her. My friend's probably rolling her eyes. Oh, okay, we get it. She's amazing. But the thing of the matter is, is it came because whatever is in your heart, the Bible says, comes out your mouth. It's what you believe for, right? And then I did what? I didn't say, I hope one day we get married. I just hope one day... Could you imagine her following me around for all these years? Me saying, I hope one day we get married. No. I said, no. Why? I knew I had to ask her. I had to have corresponding actions. I had to put a ring on her finger. I had to promise her that she would be my only. Come on, somebody. And then we had to go through all that process of getting married on that day. Amen. And then, praise God, we've been married all these years, not because I'm saying one day, but I put some steps of action into what I actually believed. Let it be unto you. Let it be unto you and to you according to your faith. Your faith should not change just because everything around you does. And I'm going to tell you something. That's easy to do. All of us go through it. You believe like crazy in the, in the private place, places. When you got a word from God in, the, in, 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 in your prayer closet, it's super easy to believe God then. But when you got to go public with what God has shown you, you got to go public with your faith and, and things are not lining up and, and, and people are not with you on it or your circumstances actually declare the opposite of what God has shown you, it becomes difficult. But the truth is you, your faith should not change just because everything else around you has. You got to stay the course. I said you got to stay the course. You got to hang on. You got to not quit you got to get that bulldog kind of faith that latches on and just grips on and won't let go for nothing. Your breakthrough church is closer than you think, but it's all up to you to not quit, not give up, not turn tail, grow, get coward, but move ahead in what God has asked you to do. Your faith should not change because your circumstances have. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 9 says, Holding the mystery of the faith, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. So faith is a mystery, the mystery of the faith. Something, that's what is that? Something beyond human comprehension. My faith goes beyond. That's why when you tell somebody something uh, that the Lord has shown you, they get that, huh? Like a dog, a dog you know how a dog goes, huh? Like that. That's sometimes you'll see that in people's expressions and it can rock you a little bit, but it shouldn't rock you. And besides that, you need to be real careful who you're telling the things of God to that are special to you because not everybody's going to agree and not everybody's going to back it and not everybody's going to be for you and they're going to think that you're more special than them and they're going to knock you down. And I love people, but you got to watch them. No, 
it is something that goes beyond. My, my, my faith is a mystery that goes beyond even my own human comprehension. I simply believe something that is unbelievable. And when you tap into faith, you're tapping into another reality than your current circumstances. You're literally tapping into another reality. You're tapping into another world of what? Possibilities. Amen. We're, we're, we're with God. Everything is yes and amen. You are tapping into a divine stream of consciousness. In other words, you're changing the way that you're thinking, and now your thinking is starting to line up with what God says. You're tapping into another dimension. I call it the dimension of God. It's the kingdom of God. It's where God dwells. It's where everything, where everything lines up. In this world, everything's messed up, but in God's kingdom, everything's right. Everything's perfect. And you're lining up to that perfection. You're lining up to where God, when he birthed you in the earth, he saw who you were to be. Before you ever came into the earth, he already gave you purpose. He already gave you your potential. He gave it to you. It's a seed. It's in seed form. He knows that if it just has chance to go in the ground and germinate and take roots, it will grow into its highest potential. It's the world that kept you back that said, no, that's not possible because you live over there. Because you got that color of skin. Because this is your economic situation. Because this is the, you know, your daddy beat you up or you were abused or whatever. And so this is who you're going to have to be. That's not so in the kingdom. That's not how it works in the kingdom. It's another reality. And church, I believe it's time for some undeniable faith to come into the body of Christ. Because we're living in incredible times. Someone says it's uncertain times. No, 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 no. That would mean that God had no control. Absolutely. These are, these are a certain kind of time, not an uncertain kind of time. And do you remember those men who, uh, who went and they had a friend that was a paralytic, the Bible says, and Jesus was in the house preaching and everybody was around the house and outside the house and the windows were all open and, 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 and there's a massive crowd around him trying to get to Jesus. And the paralytic said, I got to get to him. I know I'll be healed. I just got to get to him. And they couldn't get him in. He was in a bed. And all of a sudden they had an idea. Let's, let's climb on top of the roof. Who thinks like this? I'll tell you who thinks like that. People who are undeniable. They will not be denied. They don't think like everybody else. They think way outside the box. Come on, we can do it. We'll wrap him up. He won't fall off. Trust him. Someone, someone took the lead there and said, just trust me. And said, so here we go. And they, they hoisted a man. They got up on the roof. They hoisted that man on top of that roof. They began to tear that roof. That roof got tore up. Church, that was somebody's house. How would you like if someone come to your, your house right now or your apartment and just start ripping your roof off? Don't mind us. We're here to get to you. Come on. You'd be thinking, what are you doing? You're costing me money and problems. But they're ripping the roof apart. And then they get the man on top and lower him in. Jesus heals him. And the man takes up his own bed and walks away healed. The moral of that story is this. These men had a faith that was inside of them that we will not be denied today. Our friend is getting his healing. How about those four lepers? Come on that they threw outside of the city because the lepers were unclean and they had to be outside the city. And here it was during a famine. It was during a famine, so it was double whammy. They were, had a disease that was eating them literally alive, were contagious, had to say goodbye to their family, their children, their wives to die like dogs out in the desert. And here they are one night and they can smell the smell of food wafted across the desert floor from their enemy's camp. It was from the enemy's camp. They could smell that fried chicken. Y'all hear me today. 
They can smell ribs and they can smell pizza. Come on, somebody. Coming across that desert floor. And these men were there and now they're starving to death. They're dying. Nose falls off. You know, the leprosy still exists today. Fingers fall off. Your your extremities begin to fall off. It's painful. It's terrible. It'll eat you literally from the outside in. And it is a terrible disease. But they were so hungry. They said, look, here we are dying like dogs. Let us go to our enemies. Maybe they will have some mercy on us. And we'll at least have full bellies when we die. And the Bible says they got up. Everybody say, it's time to get up. I said, it's time to get up. And they decided, I won't be denied today. We may look like monsters. We may be castaways. We may be the forgotten. We may be the misfits of society. But today, our bellies will be full. And they smelt that. Come on. And they started helping each other, dragging themselves across that desert floor till they got all the way to their enemy. But what they did not know, that as they got up, as they got up, and walked all the way, all the way over to their enemy's camp. The Bible says that their enemies thought they heard the sounds of war and chariots and horses, and they fled for their lives. Do I got two people in the room today that says it's time for me to be undeniable that God's going to work a miracle even if it's late in the midnight hour? God is about to turn it around and around and around. Come on. They went, got that food, filled their bellies and said it's not good what we do let's tell our countrymen and they came back and they became the heroes of society somebody say amen undeniable faith will get you crazy miracles I said undeniable faith will open doors for you that no man can close undeniable faith will cause the eyes of the blind to open and the deaf to hear and the dead to be raised back to life again undeniable faith will take you out of the hood come on somebody and put you in a place of prominence and authority that's not believing it's more than believing it's doing the work that's necessary it's corresponding actions people may not understand how you can smile And keep a smile on your face when you're going through the battle of your life. But it's because you've got undeniable faith. They don't understand how you can have peace when you've been given a bad doctor's report. But it's because you've got undeniable faith. They don't get how you can have joy when the bank is coming to repo your car, take your house. But it's because you've got an undeniable faith. Somebody shout, undeniable Now turn your neighbor and say, be undeniable. Be undeniable. Faith calls things that be not as though they were. So faith talk is not normal talk. So even in this room, I could be offensive to some people because they've been taught to do something different. That we have to uh, see it before we can have it and then we beg God to have it but the truth is he put that desire in you to begin with because it's who you really are it's all about who you really are who he made you to be and he gave you a measure of faith 
so that you could begin to act upon it. But the truth is most don't do it because they, can I be, just be honest with you? It's because we look weird when we do it. It's because we stand out when we do it. And sometimes we just don't want to be put on blast. We're afraid that people may not like us or we might be misunderstood, whatever the case may be. And the truth is you might be. The truth is you probably will be because people like the fact I'm not saying they like it. It's probably a bad choice of words, but they have gotten used to the fact that whatever they're in, they're going to stay in the rest of their life, and so they want you to stay in the same place. So when you start talking crazy, crazy faith, undeniable faith talk, like I'm getting out of here, I'm going to start this business, I'm going to do this thing, I'm getting, blah blah blah. They start thinking, oh, you think you're better than us? That's what they told Jesus. We know who you are. You're coming to us like you're the son of God. You're, don't tell us. We grew up with you, boy. You're the carpenter's son. Yeah, we know who you are. Your mother, remember the scandal she went through, bringing you into the earth, claiming that she got pregnant by God? We all know what happened there. You don't think people didn't think that back then? Of course they did, right? But you got to be who you are, called of God. And faith calls things that be not as though they were. It speaks on another level. It talks like, I just know I'm going to have this. God's already told me. I ain't worried about it. You're not worried about the economy? No, I'm not worried about the economy. How about the inflation? No, I'm not worried about the inflation. Price. How about that gas? I'm not worried about it because I'm on another level here. I'm living somewhere else. My God walks on streets of gold. And the Bible tells me it's his good pleasure to give to me one of his children. Therefore, I'm going to receive God's best. That's faith talking. That's faith talking. And that kind of talk gives you crazy miracles. What can happen, Pastor? I don't know. I'm not God. That's between you and God. I don't know. But I can tell you, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't down me. You can fill your car up one time, and that might last three months. I have no idea. However God wants to do it. Somebody say amen. I've seen crazier things than that happen. But that could be one way God does it. Don't know. Don't know. Have no idea. That's God's business. My business is to trust him. My business is to walk in faith. My business is to be undeniable. Abram was a man who decided to be undeniable. In his old age, he was told by God that he would have a child. And he didn't get younger. And it didn't happen right away either. It took many years. He still had to walk around. God said, you're no longer Abram, you're Abraham, which means what? You're a father of a multitude. So he had to walk around introducing himself as a father of a multitude, not having one child, not one. What's he doing? Faith talk. It's crazy. It's crazy. But then the day came, all that faith kicked in, and a miracle took place, and Isaac was born. We can see this throughout the word of God in many occasions. Remember, Jesus rebuked the wind. Then he turned to the disciples and said, how is it that you have no faith? They were all freaking out. We all would be doing most, most the same. Freaking out, we're going down, we're going down, and Jesus is fast asleep. they got to wake him up. He goes and rebukes the wind, and the waves obey, the Bible says. Another scripture says this. It says, you have little faith, Jesus said. Little means this. It means, you've heard me say this before, it means a short burst. You have faith, but man, it's, it's there on Sunday between, what, 10 and 11.30 or so? 
And then it's, oh, it's tough to get you believing God for the rest of the week. It's there, but it's only there in a short burst. Boom. So God, get it done now. You can't win battles with short bursts of faith. We've been believing God for Roe v. Wade to be changed for 50 years. In my lifetime, I never thought we would see this day. It took years of dedication, years of praying, years of sacrifice, years of people being ridiculed, and now we're standing in a time and a moment that God, come on somebody, has turned the tide. And they're going to cry this, and they're going to cry that, and I'm here to tell you, I want you to know something. I love you, and I'm going to teach you, and you stick with me. You don't run out on me. I'm going to help you because most people got deceived when it comes to this ruling. They got deceived. They don't understand what really is going on. Why is it called a fetus when you don't want it, but a baby when you do want it? It's called convenience because we know, in, we know that's a child. We know that's a life. We know that's real. And so I believe many of you that don't understand that are going to turn. You just hang around. You're going to see that. Um, but we rejoice in that. We're so grateful to God for that. Uh, watch what happens as we start to see that God begin to deal with one thing after the other now. And a blessing starts coming on our nation again. I pray it happens in Wisconsin because then more blessing will come to Wisconsin. But I'm thankful that it started here in America, and I'm grateful to see that take place. Never thought that would happen in my lifetime. Um, look, church, you don't see it to believe it first. You believe it to see it. This is how it's operated. In 1 John 5, 14, it says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. How do you ask for something you haven't seen yet? How do you do it? You do it by faith. I, I, I do it all the time. I do this all the time. And it's a wonderful thing to do. But it's hard to go public. But you start your private time with God. You start speaking and declaring the things you want to see. Mark eleven twenty four. 24. By the way, it's called prayer. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Can that be more powerful? Can I read it one more time? Therefore, I say to you, Jesus said this, whatever things, whatever things, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you what? Receive them and you will what? Have them. Ask and you shall receive seek and you'll find knock and the door will be opened unto you these are all ask seek knock are corresponding action to what you believe if i believe it i'm going to be talking to god about it if i believe it i'm going to be talking to management about it if i believe it i'm going to start putting in the necessary work that goes towards it. But the Bible does say, when you ask, ask in faith, James says. Ask in faith. Ask believing that I'm going to receive it and I'm going to have it. I will materialize the things that I believe. So when I pray, I don't pray with confusion. I don't pray hoping God will do something. If it's a matter of his word, he's already given a promise on it. I know God will do it. He just needs my agreement, my faith, my corresponding actions. Is there any feeling to it? 
Not necessarily. Sometimes you get a goosebump. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you got a really good feeling in your butterflies and stuff. Ooh, God's in this. I feel him. Hey, I feel God. What happens when you don't feel God? Do you have to feel it to have it? Not according to the word of God. In fact, I would, I would, I would submit that most of us don't feel it. We're just going through life, right? We're dealing with other things. But it's not about feeling. So it goes beyond your natural senses. Faith goes beyond my natural ability to feel. It's a deeper sense of knowing called spiritual. Let me make this statement. For you to get the promises of God and not be denied, you're going to have to leave your natural senses where they're at and start trusting your spiritual senses. Someone said, my spidey senses? No, your spiritual senses. So the only way to get there is by faith. That's how you cross over to receive. So I'm putting more into my, um, what I believe uh, by the spirit than I am to what I see in the natural. Ephesians 1.3 says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, all right? So the mind is already programmed that if it can't see it, you can't have it. And that's why we need revelation. I'm going to stop right here uh, on this revelation piece of it. Revelation, by the way, what is revelation? Uh, and I, I, I can say this, I can sum it so easy, so fast. What is revelation? Revelation is like this. You remember in the cartoons? And, 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 and some of, one of the cartoons would get a, like a, they had an idea and the light bulb would go off over the top of their head. Remember the light bulb on the top of their head? They said, ah, what was that? It meant they had light. They could now, they could determine what they were supposed to do. It was a revelation. Okay. So it's like you, sometimes you're, you're reading the Bible and, one, and all of a sudden a scripture pops up to you and you go, oh, that's what that means. Light bulb, bing, right? It's a revelation. It was there before. But it was like the, the curtain was pulled back, and now you see it for what it is. We all have them. Sometimes we have them on a daily basis, maybe not as often. But when it comes to God's word, we need to live in a place of revelation, constantly allowing him to pull the curtains back from our eyes so we can see what he really wants us to see, to see what really goes on in the spirit. So revelation is seeing something on another level. And church, you were never designed to go where you haven't seen. <laughs> that is a, that's a term called uh, blind faith. So I just did by blind faith. And I, I don't want to knock them, but there's just no such thing in the word of God. It's blind faith. It's just faith. No blind faith. In other words, I saw, I saw it was a revelation to me, but we couldn't see it out here yet, but I saw it in here. I know what God showed me. It's in here, and it's real and tangible to me. Amen? This world was made out of things which do not exist because it was already in God. God turned insight into foresight. Revelation is light in darkness, church. It's supernatural knowledge. Once something has revealed to you, all doubt goes away, because why? I can see it, and my last scripture is this. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says this. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. Fair enough. Makes sense to me. But, that's a clause, but those things which are revealed come to me by revelation, belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law or all the words of the word of God, right? Once you see it, church, you own it. It belongs to you. But here's what you need to see is in that is that once you 
see it, it belongs to you, now God will make you responsible for it. He makes you responsible for what he gives you. So if he gives you a revelation, let's say on healing, and you just know that if you go into hospitals and pray for people, God will touch them and heal their bodies. Then he makes you responsible for that gift. To do what? Learn all you can about it. Study it. Get it in your heart, in your spirit, and then go out and pray for the most needy people that need a touch from God the most. You're responsible to do that. It goes from that to anything else God reveals to you. He, whatever it is. And you know what it is. And once you do that, you'll see that it doesn't just belong to God now. God shares it. And he says, this gift is yours too. Yes, I'm a healer, but I made you one too. Now you're a healer on my behalf. Amen. The enemy's always trying to blind people from seeing who they really are and the gifting that they have. I've been praying for, especially this last couple of years, that God would take the blinders off of his people because we've been so indoctrinated by the world until we don't even know it. We don't even know it. We don't even know it. We just think that's the way it is. And there's things that have to be challenged by the Spirit of God. There's things that I, I just took for granted that everybody knew was on the same page as me. Boy, have I found out that's not true. Always, we love the same God. There's nothing wrong with that. We're going to heaven. But how we get there and how we, um, uh, how we make decisions based upon the church and its unity, uh, based upon what we're called to do in the, in the community to win the lost, could differ greatly in what we feel the lost really are. Do we even believe there are lost people anymore? Of course there are. You were. I was. But you can see that deception coming in. Oh, everybody's saved. Everybody's good with God. Let's not ruffle any feathers. No, church, this is a time for us to stand for truth. I'm not saying, I believe it's a time to fight, but not one another. I think we start fighting one another, we lose. Everybody loses. But we start fighting for the truth and we start fighting the enemy of our soul. We're going to start seeing great progress happen in this nation and for your lives. And people are in fear like I've never seen before. They're afraid. Um, they're, they're questioning everything. It doesn't have to be that way. It's just that we've gotten away from the God of the Bible. We've gotten away from God himself. We know him, but we're not really walking with him the way that we should. And that goes for me. It goes for all of us. I think there's a new day that we're going to have to make some recommitments to God and really walk close with him. Amen?